Welcome to the St George's Leeds Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the talk. So thank you, Jacob. We are continuing in our series entitled Made for More, where we look through the first two chapters of Genesis and ask what reflections are there for thinking about our own lives today, our own lives of meaning and purpose in the world. And you may have noticed, if you were here last week, uh, that one thing we haven't talked about is what to do with Genesis when, it, when we're confronted with questions of science and creation. In fact, as I poured myself a cup of coffee this evening, somebody asked me the question, what do I think about evolution and how it relates to Genesis? Now, without uh, trying to dodge a bullet, we're not talking about that this evening because there's so much to talk about from these pages which can help us to reflect on our meaning and purpose that we can miss if we only ask this question. So it's not that it's a good question, but it's not what we're thinking about in this series. So my name is Josh. I'm the clergy lead at Holy Trinity Borlane, which, if you haven't been, is just down in front of the Trinity Centre. And we're starting a new community which is trying to, to love and to serve those that are working in the heart of the city of Leeds. So this evening's theme, being made for work, is something that is very close to my own heart as I try and think through what it means to serve the working community of Leeds. But I would suggest, and I'm going to suggest, that it it is relevant for all of us, whatever we do, whatever walk of life we are in. So shall we pray before we begin and explore this theme together? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your good creation. Thank you for the places that you have placed each one of us, the work you have given us to do. We pray that you'd be speaking to us tonight. Help us to reflect on who it is you've called us to be and where it is you have sent us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're going to look at three themes this evening. They're based right at the end of our reading in verses 15, 16, and 17. First of all, we're going to be thinking about the fact that God gives us vocation. God gave Adam something to do. Secondly, God gives us permission. God said Adam could go anywhere he liked in the garden. And thirdly, God gives us a prohibition. God says there's something that we shouldn't do. God says to Adam that he shouldn't eat of the tree of good and evil. So let's start with the first one, vocation. I wonder what your idea of paradise is. This is my idea of paradise. There it is. This is a gift that I got this year for Christmas from my sister-in-law. And this has taken my bath experience to the next level. Um, I've got, there's a slot there for whiskey, which you can see a lovely, a lovely drum there in the bath. And on the other side, there's a glass There's a slot for wine, so you can have wine and whiskey if you like. Or maybe water would be more appropriate. Some snacks, a good magazine or a book, some bath salts, and I will be lost in paradise for hours, if not days, on end, and you will never see me again. I wonder what it is for you. What's the connotation that comes to mind when you're asked to think about paradise? Culturally, I think, we, we think about paradise as something where we stop. We think about paradise in terms of inactivity, where we retreat from what we've been doing the rest of the time. 
And many religious traditions focus on this too, the idea that actually the aim of paradise is to escape our bodies and our concerns and to contemplate God and do nothing else. But we should notice that this is not the vision of paradise we are given in Genesis. The vision of paradise that we see in Genesis is one in which people work. God gives Adam something to do. It says in verse 15, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. If we look forward to Genesis 3, we see the, the unfolding events of the fall and the introduction of sin into creation. But before any of that happens, we see that work is an integral part of human life. There is work before there is sin. Right at the beginning of creation, we can see that human beings are made to be people that work. As one commentator puts it, a life without work is not a complete life. It would be an existence quite unworthy of human beings. I wonder how this idea sits with you. Because not all of us find our work meaningful. Not all of us find our work to be fulfilling. Some of us find it exhausting. We might think of it as a necessary evil. Or perhaps you don't think of yourself as working at all. Perhaps uh, you care for children. Perhaps you're a student and you spend your time writing assignments. Perhaps you're looking for a job or you can't get a job for some other reason. I think if we want to think seriously about work, we have to dig, we have to push a bit further than thinking only about employment. Because we should notice that Genesis exists before capitalism. Adam is not paid to work the garden. Adam receives nothing in return for his work. God gives work as a gift to Adam. And so I think in its most fundamental sense, work is not about money. Work is about responding to need, to responding to things in front of us. We see in Genesis that this, this beautiful depiction of the, way, the vastness of the Garden of Eden, in which Adam tends to the needs of God's creation. He satisfies his own needs and the needs of his family by producing food from the garden. And so work, in its most basic sense, I think, is always about responding to this need, whether that's the needs of human beings or the needs of creation. And there are many things that we do which aim at meeting a need, whether that's weeding our back garden, caring for children, or writing assignments. Some of these things we get paid for, others we don't. But their value does not come in what we are paid for. In each one of these things, we find a unique gift of God to work, to provide for the needs within our creation. And in fact, I'd suggest our obsession with how much certain kinds of work pay is where things start to get difficult and problematic for us. When we aim to start exploiting creation for monetary value, controlling human beings so that we can get results out of them, that is when we see sin take over and work become distorted. We have to reset our expectations on just how valuable our work is. As the pastor and theologian Timothy Keller puts it, 
There may be no better way to love your neighbor, whether you are writing parking tickets, software, or books, than to simply do your work. Now, thinking of work as valuable might not make that all-nighter finishing the assignment feel any nicer. It might not make a long 12-hour shift responding to emails feel meaningful. But it's such an important place to start to see that all of these things have value to God. As we were thinking about last week, all of our lives are part of our relationship with God. But we each need to find ways to stop and to be present and to respond in the small things to what God has given us. And I think this is true of our work as well. We need to find those small moments in which we can acknowledge and see the value of what we do. I, I was speaking to a friend recently who was uh, a young mum at home, and she told me that uh, she sometimes likes to picture the changing table as an altar, where she gives the, dis- the, the work that she does as a sacrifice to God, as an offering to God, as worship. I wonder what would happen if we thought about writing assignments like this, that sitting down at a laptop was a moment to be still and to worship and to offer something in sacrifice to God. As Paul puts it in Romans 12, we are to present our bodies, all of ourselves, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is our spiritual worship. So where are those moments in your life where you can see and acknowledge the value of what you do? That's something you might like to think about this week as you reflect on these words together. But now we're going to hear from two people in our congregation um, who I've primed by asking some questions about their work. Um, So if Alison and Anna, I can't really see you because of these lights, but if you'd like to come up, uh, we have some questions that we're going to think about together. So can you give them a round of applause? So, Alison, do you want to start? So, so my first question to you, Alison, is what do you do? Uh, so, I'm a solicitor, uh, and I work in one of the law firms in the centre of Leeds. Okay. And, and as a person of faith, how, how does that relate to what you do in your job? Um, I think it gives me a perspective um, on, uh, on my work, uh, on the people I work with, and on the situations that I um, encounter. I don't think it makes it easier. Yeah. It, can, it can make it um, uh, quite challenging, but I believe that I'm called to be there. I believe, as you've said, that we're all called to be in the particular place that God has put us, and I think that does make a difference mm. to the way that um, I see things as they unfold. Yeah, thank you. And, and so what does it look like for you to see God at work in, in the city, in law, in, in your job? Um, so we, I didn't know what you were going to say, and I didn't know what Josh <laughs> was going to say either a bit earlier. But um, when I was thinking about this, I think um, God does make a difference, definitely makes a difference. Um, but uh, my experience has been that I see that in small ways, and I see that retrospectively. I see that more often when I look back. Um, I have had times, particularly in the last couple of years, where I have had some really difficult situations that I've prayed about, 
and I have really seen God um, in, in conversations quite immediately. But over the long run, I think it's about finding the space to reflect on, on what God is doing little by little in the small things, because he is definitely working in all of our, in all of the places that we are, our day-to-day, Monday to Friday. Yeah, thank you, Alison. That's great. You can go sit down if you like. Thanks, Alison. So now we're just going to hear a little from Anna. So Anna, do you want to tell us a bit about what you do? Yes, I'm a student at the University of Leeds. I'm in my final year, um, my fourth year studying an integrative master's in food science and nutrition. Great. That sounds fascinating. No time to talk about it now. Um, So, same question I asked to Alison. How does your faith help you to think about your studies and your work? Yeah, so I think it's... um, really amazing how God has blessed us with all different gifts and different passions. So I'm really grateful that I have the opportunity to come to university and develop those passions further. Um, And I think last year I was on a placement year, so returning to university this year has definitely been a real challenge, especially with a lot of online uni. Sometimes you feel like you're alone, um, struggling with the workload. Um, So yeah, something that's really been a reminder to me recently is that God says in the Bible um, not to worry 365 times, and I definitely need that daily reminder at the moment, Um, and that through friends and family, he's really um, reminded me that my worth is not in my um, academic ability, but in my identity in Christ, Um, and that yeah, he has a plan for me and will equip me with what I need to get there. And a real reminder has been Proverbs 16, verse 3, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. And I think I find when I try to rely on my own strength um, and my own work ethic that I find myself getting more stressed and um, also find it harder to be humble. Um, So I read recently that when God's um, glory is magnified, worry, doubt and fear and anxiety anxiety is minimised. Um, And yeah, I think the more that I've been trying to praise God through my work, um, it reduces the weight that I put myself to do well. Um, Yeah, so he really deserves all the glory. That's great. Thank you. And and finally, what are the ways that you see God at work in in your work and your studies? yeah, I've seen so many, so many ways, especially over, over this year. Um, one thing is that he's really blessed me with such a great student community and a real chance to rest and recharge and, um, yeah, navigate uni life together, especially as it's on the weekend away. That was a great chance to get away and experience God's um, peace. Um, and, yeah, I've been so amazed at God's faithfulness um, to me. So, Last year, when I was on my placement year, um, I was at Gas Street Church at the very end of the placement year, and I was, um, we were singing the song Promises by Maverick City, and it repeats, great is your faithfulness to me, and yet yeah, I just flashed back to second year when I was really stressed trying to find um, a placement, and yeah, just how God has always been with me and never letting me down. Um, my small group know all about this, but as a food science and nutrition student, I have a lot of group work, um, and I'm sure people can relate that that can be a real challenge sometimes. Um, but God is showing me that it's a real opportunity to grow um, in becoming more compassionate and Christ-like and patient. Um, and one verse that stuck out to me was, do everything 
without grumbling, which I'm definitely still working <laughs> on. Um, and then it says, and you will shine like stars in the sky. Um, and I've also found grip work to be a real good chance to um, bring up my faith. Um, just this week, we were we had like an example of chocolate um, for one of my projects. And um, one of the girls in my group said, oh, there's like a celebration coming up that we um, that in the UK you, you eat a lot of chocolate and I said oh yeah yeah that's Easter um, I said uh, um, and then she was asking about the eggs and that it was a great chance then for me just to um, share a bit about my faith say I was a Christian and we we actually had a bit of a discussion about what the egg represents um, and yeah I just thought it was cool how God places those little moments in our lives and just one verse to finish, sorry, I feel yeah, like no, yeah. <laughs> um, Colossians 3, verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. So I think sometimes it's really easy to search for the approval of others, um, but to work for God um, helps us to find a real sense of purpose in our uni work and has helped me to fall more in love with my studies. Um, and yet yeah, that we have God as a mentor and a father um, to root for us all the way. So, yeah. That's great. So, so much to think about. So thank you so much, Anna. And thanks, Alison. You might want to take those questions and think a bit, use them to, to reflect together in your small groups this week about where you see God at work in your places of work and study. But we're going to continue now thinking through these three themes um, from Genesis 2. So we've, we've looked at the fact that Adam is given work to do, but we see in verse 16 that Adam is given the freedom of the garden. God, if, we, if we're familiar with this passage, I think, the first thing we rush towards is the fact that God told Adam not to do something. But before God told Adam not to do something, God says to Adam, you have permission, you have freedom to eat of any fruit in this garden. Adam is given a choice. He's given a place to make decisions. And I think when we think about work and vocation and studying, sometimes we're at risk of waiting for that kind of single voice from heaven to come down and tell us exactly what we should do with our lives. But actually, sometimes I think we need to hear that we are given permission. We are given permission to enjoy and to explore the good creation that God has given to us. God has commissioned us to work and called us to follow him in Jesus Christ. And now he gives us permission to explore our creation, to find places to work, places to serve, and things to do. This doesn't mean that God doesn't speak specifically to people about specific things, of course God does this, but, it's, but we cannot wait to just hear this magic voice from heaven. I don't think God thinks that we have this kind of one track of our lives. We are given the permission of the garden to explore. And in my own experience, it's actually through this exploration, this getting on and looking around, that we sometimes hear God most strongly speaking to us through our situation. But we also have to confess that sometimes in the church we haven't made this sense of vocation very easy. We're sometimes given the impression, or at least I've been given the impression in places that I've been in the past, that God calls people to ministry and the rest of us are left to get on with things. 
Maybe if, if things are going well, God calls people to be doctors and teachers, people that help people. But we don't hear very often about God calling people to work in law, in business, in finance, in hospitality, in retail. Perhaps we have internalized this lie that God calls people only to ministry and lets the rest of us get on with it. But this is not true. You heard Alison say just now that she feels called by God to be a solicitor in the city. And I think we have to see that God values a diversity of different roles and different kinds of work in the church. In fact, we need a diversity of roles in the church. In 1 Corinthians, Paul compares the church to a body with many different parts. And he says, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. If the whole body were vicars, <laughs> if the whole body were in ministry, where would the rest of the body be? To be Christ's body in the world, we need to be in the world. God calls business people, God calls lawyers, carers, students, nurses, parents that stay at home looking after children. And maybe God also calls vicars and people that work in ministry too. But each one of us has a distinctive and important role to play in serving God's kingdom. And lastly, in verse 17, we see that God gives Adam a prohibition. God says that within his freedom, there are things that Adam should avoid. There are things that Adam shouldn't do. It says in verse 17 that God says to Adam, you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. If we look ahead, we know that Adam is free to make this choice, to make this bad choice, to live with the consequences of choosing something that God has said is forbidden. And we too are invited to live lives of freedom in which we explore all that God has given us. But we are told that there are some things that we should avoid. There are some things which are harmful to us, that are harmful to our creation, and things that we uh, should stand against. We, none of us work in the Garden of Eden. None of us work in a place without sin and brokenness. We work in, a pla in places that are distorted by human selfishness and greed and sinfulness. As people that follow Jesus Christ, we will daily come into conflict with things that are at odds with the gospel of justice and love that Jesus proclaims. Whether these are the attitudes of people who think that creation is something to be disposed of for monetary value, or, people that, or those that think that other people can be used to get ahead. We are daily faced with challenges that force us to ask where our allegiance lies. We know very well, I think, that the real costly moments of following Jesus 
Don't come when we put our hands up in the midst of worship on a Sunday evening. They come on Tuesday morning when we realize that our to-do list is way bigger than we thought it was. They come on Thursday evening when we realize we are so tired, but we still have to finish that assignment before tomorrow morning. In these moments, we are asked and we are forced to ask where our allegiance is. How will we choose to respond in these small moments which challenges as disciples of Jesus Christ? The words that we'll pray shortly in the Lord's Prayer provide a really powerful place to start in responding to this situation. Lead us not into temptation. Deliver us from evil, for yours is the kingdom, yours is the power, yours is the glory. We pray in those moments of difficulty that God's kingdom would be upheld and not those values of our culture and our society. To recognize the immense value in work that God has given to work also means that we must sometimes resist and challenge. But this is why it's so crucial to see that work is a crucial part of God's kingdom story. We are invited to see God in the midst of these places of challenge. So in a moment, we're going to move to a a time of response. We're going to begin by celebrating Holy Communion together. But before we do, I'm going to invite you um, to stand. And I'd like to pray a prayer of commissioning over you for the work that you do. So can I invite you to stand? So, So just take a moment to be still. You might like to bring to mind that thing that God has placed on your hearts, that that thing that you'll be doing this week, your place of work or study. And I'm going to ask you some, a couple of questions and the answers uh, will be on the screen if, and I'd invite you to respond if you feel you're able to say the words involved. So do you believe that you have been led by the Spirit of God to accept the responsibilities God has placed upon you as you go to serve the Lord in your places of work and study? In humble reliance upon God's grace, will you give yourselves unreservedly to the work of Christ in your appointed role? So let me commend you in your work, in all that you do over these coming weeks. People of God, I commend you to this work and pledge to you our prayers and encouragement and support. May the Holy Spirit guide and strengthen you, that in this and in all things you may do God's will to the service of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St George's Lead Sermon Podcast. For more talks or information, visit stgs.org.uk.